Sawbones is a show about medical history, and nothing the hosts say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. It's for fun. Can't you just have fun for an hour and not try to diagnose your mystery boil? We think you've earned it. Just sit back, relax, and enjoy a moment of distraction from that weird growth. You're worth it. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine. I'm your co-host, Justin McElroy. And I'm Sydney McElroy. Uh, as huge fans of capitalism, Sydney and I are uh, Shark Tank aficionados, would you say? Because uh, we love capitalism I, so much? There, uh, We do. Okay. Let me parse that sentence. We do watch Shark Tank. Uh, I like to see the food products that are introduced. Sometimes I get excited and order them on the internet. So full, that is the primary function of Shark Tank in my life. I'm not a fan of capitalism. Folks, Can I we set please up a, make that clear. We set up a <laughs> VPN to tunnel our way into Canada to get Canadian Dragon's Den from the source. Okay? Because we love capitalism so much. I've, we've also seen the... British Dragon's Den as well. Didn't do it for me. Not, I would say ca- the Canadian version of this show oh, is the, the best. It's actually the best. Like half of the things are board games and the other half are hockey products. There's and a lot to of deal hockey. With, <laughs> ways to deal with snow, hockey products, board games. Canadian Dragon's Den is the best. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. We love capitalism, but we no, do. No, wait, no. Quit we, saying we love capitalism. I don't. We do get fired up. Every time there is a medical product, I can feel Sydney tense on the couch because I know that we're about to see someone try to pitch something fake almost every time. I mean, like the vast almost majority, except for yes. the squatty potty to a few of the sharks will um, be against be uh, against it on principle. Maybe one shark against our principle. The rest are lapping it up, loving it. I've heard about this. They'll say, yes, uh-huh. take a yes. hundred thousand dollars. Right. Uh, and I, I used to think there were certain sharks I could trust to to stop the pseudoscience, the pseudomedicine. I none of them are reliable anymore. Yeah, none of them are reliable. We watched one last night about what was it? Uh, oh, it was a doctor who <laughs> they were introducing. A, it was basically a vitamin C, echinacea, uh, zinc, zinc combo pill to help you with a cold. Um, to try to reduce antibiotic overuse, which may have been a sneaky attempt on the doctor's part to give people medicine who want antibiotics that sort of sounds like an antibiotic but isn't an antibiotic. Yes, that is what the product was. I believe this this doctor was intentionally selling snake oil to get people off his back to give them antibiotics. Anyway. Uh, well, I, don't, we, I don't know if that's what that doctor was doing. We are not saying he was, but... Uh, that's still. Um, I'll say he was. I'm just a guy. <laughs> no, autonomy is key to medical ethics, and you cannot and should not lie to patients and be ethically sound as a physician. So, okay, Sid, so you've got the legally obligated. Well, he's not lying. Part. I mean, it is. It is what he says. It is. It just doesn't do the things he says. Well, okay, okay. never mind. Anyway, uh, that's not the product today. The right? point is, they had a, an interesting conversation about 
consumer driven healthcare. Yes. Uh, and many of us in medicine have a problem with it. Many of us in the country, in the world, many humans have a problem with this idea because medical care, healthcare is a is a right that everyone should have access and be able to afford and get freely always. Uh, and the idea that it is it is in a free market system completely undermines that anyway. Um, and that in, that includes the idea that as the patient, you should just tell the doctor what you want and they should give it to you. It doesn't work very well in medicine, um, mm-hmm. which is why direct to consumer advertising of medications like pharmaceutical companies do is totally ridiculous because you don't you have to learn this stuff to know what you need. But. Uh, and so at home lab testing is part of this. And right. we've had some people ask about uh, the various companies that will do send you a kit to allow you to collect a blood sample at home and send it in and have them do a variety of lab tests for you. And we talked about, I believe we did an episode on DNA testing, right? Mm-hmm. Had our had our results. Got a with, lot of with emails. whichever, 23andMe, Ancestry, yeah, whatever it was. Know. Got a lot of emails from folks telling me that I traded away my my DNA to some corporate uh, vault. You know, they can make a lot of little Justins, and that's fine. And that's- Justin thought... You know what? That's not good enough for me. I need to give my blood to more companies. Yes. So I've just been saying it out higgledy piggledy, willy nilly. Whoever will take my blood. You want my, as Samuel L. Jackson in the negotiator said, you want my blood? Take my blood. <laughs> well, Justin gave his blood to Everly Well. And we are not, uh, we're not just. Sold, sold it. No. Well, they. I, you paid them I to paid give them, them your blood. To give them my blood. Yes, that's correct. Yes. And we're, we're talking about Everly Well just because it was it was a Shark Tank company. It was Lurganeer invested in it. Mm-hmm. So it's relevant. It was the one we used. It seems to be a pretty popular one in this space. But there are lots of companies doing this. So just to be clear. Um, but we'll talk about your food sensitivity testing results. I'll talk about the first of my results right now. And that's that my Facebook ads are screwed. (laughs) (laughs) I am getting some things now uh, that I I know to my world. I know you've been in this club for longer than I said, uh, getting some things advertising me. Some, some people see the J man as a bit of a mark. Now it would seem (laughs) there when it comes to, we, we wanted to start with the food sensitivity testing. That was the one we, we targeted because I think it's a good example of something that sounds on the surface very uh, scientifically sound mm-hmm. and pretty easy to understand. Um, and then once you dig into it, it falls apart pretty quickly. But if you don't have uh, a, some sort of scientific degree, you've never studied or tested this stuff, or you don't have access to somebody to help you understand the results, um, it you could be fooled by this pretty easily mm. and and it fooled to the tune of some money. So mm. I think I think it's probably the most or at least one of the most problematic of these at home lab tests that I found the food sensitivity testing. Um, the idea that food makes us feel good or bad is not a wild one. We've we all, all know all, that we've all felt good while we were eating Long John Silver's <laughs> and then felt bad 15 minutes later. We've all been there or Fazoli's one would offer feel very good when the breadstick hits your mouth. No, 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 please bring more. <laughs> They're happy to. But then later you have to. That's what they don't tell you about um, the free free breadsticks at Fazoli's. All the ones that they put in you, you have to then take out 
in your body. You yes. know what I mean? And, and carry with you throughout the day. And you, they, they feel so heavy in there. Oh, now I'm hungry for fazoli. No. Dang it. Uh, and so the, the idea that uh, I know I feel bad when I eat certain things. I know I feel better when I eat other things. What could be the reason? And I mean, it's good to be looking at your diet and thinking about the foods you're eating. That's not a bad thing. We should be. More and more we see that uh, it's, it's the idea of watching what you eat, I think for so long, unfortunately, was tied to a weight thing. And it shouldn't be. It should be tied to a how I feel and how I can make my body function the best thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think all that is true and all that can exist in a scientifically grounded, evidence-based environment. It doesn't have to be at the whims of whatever company has come out with a fake test and can market it the best. Um, but unfortunately, that's what's happened. I want to before we get into the food sensitivity testing, the idea of at home lab testing, Justin, as a consumer. Yes. What do you think of it? That is how I think of myself <laughs> as a consumer of a of a product that I mean, because that's what it is. You you weren't a patient. You consu- like you bought something, you did a test at home and you were sent the results to interpret on your own. Mm-hmm. So what how do, what is that experience like? Because they don't just do food sensitivity testing. They do. Uh, real things like a thyroid test, you know, uh, um, how do you, a, a vitamin D level? How do you feel I'm biased. About you know, it's hard for me because we do this show. So like I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I know enough to be dangerous, I guess, with, with regards to these things. I would say that it doesn't feel, uh, it can feel a little unnerving. Um, I think to get these results and then not have any way to sort of interpret them. Uh, I think though, if I'm talking about the, the base human part of it, I think that there is something about the idea. I think it's tied up in identity. A lot of it. Like I think people want to think, you know, you want to think that you're like special and have different stuff about you that nobody else has, or like understand yourself a little bit better. Um, And so I think that the idea that like, Oh, that's that, that, that's something about me. I'm very sensitive to this. I think that's part of it. I think that also though, um, what we're talking about is, is, uh, the 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 belief, an often misguided belief that there's something, one little thing out there that if you just change this one thing, you'd feel great and everything would be better. Um, and I and that's I think true. that's a very human human thing. Um, Do you now, feel unless like- those things are sleeping more and drinking more water, I I don't I I don't think that's usually the case. There's a few other things, obviously, but. Do you do you think it's empowering to have access to this information? I mean, because you could I mean, do it's empowering this. Empowering until my wife's like nonsense. It's made I, up. Well, but seriously, do you think? I mean, because that's the that's the whole idea, right? That it should be your information. You should be able to access if you can pay for it. That's that's the idea from these companies. Is that it's your it's your TSH? Why can't you buy it? What's TSH? Uh, it's a thyroid stimulating hormone. It's part of a thyroid test. Uh-huh. So it's your lab value. Why shouldn't you be able to go pay a company, stick your finger, give them some blood and get the result back? Why does a doctor or some other health professional, why do they have to be in the middle of that interaction? That is that is what these companies would say. It's your info. You get it. Don't let doctors keep it from you. I know, but there's like, I'm not a medical professional. I don't know how to interpret any of it. I don't know what any of it means. And do you know if you need that test? That's the other question is not just how do you interpret the result? Because if everybody needed all these tests. We would be right. But do you need it? I don't know. 
There's a reason I don't feel, we... I feel tired a lot. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I, I, I feel tired a lot. I'm, and I'm carrying a little bit more weight than I wish I did. Maybe that's the problem. Maybe the secret problem all along has been this thyroid thing. See, I'm just now hearing about this thyroid <laughs> thing. Is this something I need, Sydney? Why are you even withholding it from me? Well, that's the thing. So part of the problem with these tests is that all tests are somewhat imperfect, right? There is no, there. It's you can't find any test that every time we do it, it will give us all true positives and all true negatives, and it never gets anything wrong ever, not once ever in the existence of the test, right? Mm -hmm. So the reason that we, if you look, there are guidelines for who we screen for different things. If we're talking about screening tests, meaning you don't have symptoms, you're just supposed to get this test now, something like a, a mammogram. Right. At a certain age, you get a mammogram. At a certain age, you get a colonoscopy. It doesn't matter if you're having symptoms or not. This is the age where we recommend, hey, you should get this done. Those are screening tests. Uh, there's a reason we only do them at certain ages or in certain parts of the population. Otherwise, the results become less robust. Mm -hmm. They're less meaningful if you just broadly apply them to everybody. We target them at the populations that are most likely and that gives us better, more reliable results. Right. Once you start diluting it out to everybody, the results become less reliable because you're testing people who are very unlikely to have the thing, but you're going to get false positives sometimes. And then all of a sudden the test falls apart. And so that's part of the problem with this. The other thing is sometimes you're doing this for a diagnostic purpose. Like you said, you're tired. Do you need a thyroid level? A lot of us are tired. Not all of us need our thyroids checked. Now, there are certain times in your life where I would say otherwise in certain people, but the idea that everybody who feels tired should get a thyroid lab, well, we're going to do a ton of unnecessary, unnecessary thyroid testing and you're paying for it. But somebody who's trained in medicine can help you decide if you need a thyroid test or not and order it for you. Um, and so that's part of the problem with these tests is that we have guidelines that we follow. The United States Preventive Services Task Force gives us guidelines to tell us who to screen and when. And then we have all of medical school that teaches us what diagnostic tests order. You don't want to just get them all all the time. Um, and some of the tests don't make any sense anyway. They offer Lyme testing. Lyme testing, as we've talked about on this show before, Lyme disease testing is fraught with problems. The, the actual real deal tests that doctors do, we don't do it all the time for everybody because if we did, we'd get tons of false positives and people would be diagnosed with Lyme disease who don't have Lyme disease. Mm -hmm. So you should never just order these tests. There are doctors who are ordering these tests unnecessarily. This isn't just for the consumer. These are medical professionals who are ordering it, ordering it in patients who shouldn't have it ordered. You got to talk to somebody who knows what they're doing and it's putting people at risk for getting a random Lyme disease test, they get a positive result. So then they reach out on the internet and what do you find? A lot of misinformation from mm -hmm. quote unquote Lyme literate physicians who will then take you into their care, charge you tons of money and put you on antibiotics maybe for years that you didn't need. Mm -hmm. So there's huge risk to doing a test that you didn't need and getting a false result, right? Mm -hmm. uh, there are other tests they do. They do things on this... Um, in these specific panels, something called a sleep panel. That's the other thing. The tests, the, the panels that they that you order aren't called like cortisol level. It's called uh, sleep health or sleep test, sleep panel. There's one called- Is that um, an at-home thing? Yes. Really? There's one called a heart health panel. There's a metabolism panel. These sound like things we all need, 
right? Mm -hmm. It's really easy to think, well, whatever. I don't know what those, what do they test in those? Well, if you go, you can look, you can find out what they test for. But if you don't have, I mean, do you know what cortisol and cortisone and melatonin would mean? What those levels, when you get them back, what they'll mean? No. They change throughout the day. They fluctuate depending on who you are and what you do. And they've never been validated as a reliable way to diagnose or guide treatment for insomnia. But they'll charge you and give you results for them. Mm. Um, the Heart Health Panel includes a value for inflammation called a CRP, which, yes, there have been some studies that indicate that in people who are maybe at risk for cardiovascular disease in the future have had elevated CRPs. But what we found is that broadly applying that test to everybody, just testing everybody's CRP and, and saying like, OK, you're going to have a heart attack doesn't work. So if you get this value elevated, it could mean anything. Or nothing. And the only way you're going to know then is to go to a doctor and say, I don't know what this means. And you're no better off than you were before. <laughs> you're $50 uh, poorer or however much. Oh, I don't think any of these tests are $50, honey. Oh, God, I should have asked how much that one was. <laughs> there's so. a there's an ovarian reserve test, which means it's for people who are having difficulty getting pregnant. There was some evidence that perhaps we could check a certain hormone level on day three of your cycle. And if it was elevated a certain way, then it means you don't have a lot of eggs left, basically. So mm. your ovarian reserve, how much eggs you have left, is low. Now, again, this has not been standardized. It is not recommended as a screening test. If you read medical professionals, people who do this for a living, say you shouldn't just use this test. If you're having a complete fertility workup, your doctor might do this as part of it. But this could lead somebody to the false belief that they cannot become pregnant based on if they believe this result. Right. And don't talk to a doctor about it. And the test is not should not be used that way. Um, they do a lot of tests, like I said, like thyroid tests, vitamin B, uh, vitamin D. They do um, cholesterol testing. These are I mean, these are real tests, right? Like right. people do need these tests. And so there's a chance that you're ordering something that maybe a doctor would have ordered for you anyway. But what are you going to do with the results? And I, nothing ask you probably I would ask you <laughs> but what if you're not married to a doctor <laughs> well, then I don't know I can't help you you got to go to some you can't I mean you how are you going to treat these things even if you find something like they do they do home uh, sexually transmitted infection testing they do home cervical HPV swabs meaning if you are someone with a cervix they send you a swab where you can get samples of cells from your own cervix and send it off to see if there's a human papillomavirus HPV there, which can certain strains can right. convert into cervical cancers and cause other problems. Um, but again, we don't recommend doing that right now because we still need to do pap smears because just finding that virus or not finding that virus does not replace a pap smear at this point. Or We're the not there. Or I guess you could check and it, they don't register anything and then you think, oh, everything's fine. And so you don't get, go get your pap smears, right? Exactly. Um, there, there are so many problems with these tests and then with the things that they're applying broadly like a cortisol level and just trying to do random cortisol screening in everybody to diagnose them with. I mean, a cortisol level is in the sleep test, the stress test, the fatigue test, the metabolism test, the heart health test, the men's health test. It's, it's just a cortisol level. And again, you got to be really careful when you order those. I, as a physician, have ordered them and explained exactly when to do them and tried to get this testing wrong and or testing right and still gotten a result that I've realized like, 
you know what, actually, because of this, this and this factor, this test is not going to help me right now. I'm going to have to go on to a different test, something that will be more exact because this result could be flawed. And I have done that with all the knowledge. Right. So how's somebody going to do it at home? Right. So there's huge problems with these tests. There's one that particularly struck me is that they will check your breast milk for DHA, which has been associated with like good, healthy brain development and stuff in, in babies. Um, but there is no evidence that we should be testing breast milk for it or that we should be doing anything, whether or not you find it there. So you can see the result of this pretty easily. Somebody sends in their breast milk. They test it for DHA. They say, well, you don't have enough of it. And they stop breastfeeding. And they stop breastfeeding because they feel like they're depriving their child, even though they were enjoying and doing well and everybody was happy with the breastfeeding relationship. So that on a very personal level, I felt like screw you over that. But yeah. <laughs> um, there's a lot of problems with just doing labs at home without anybody with medical knowledge involved. Do you think there's something... What about as like a... I mean, is there any value, like even as like a... I'm worried about this. I should do something. I mean, because I get, I, I mean, I hear what you're saying completely, but we are also living in a, at least in the, here in the States, living in a fundamentally broken system. Yes. So like you could see how something that gives you some illusion of uh, agency or control or whatever would be very appealing to people. I can see how it would be very appealing to people, but I think the problem is who is, uh, running this service is it someone who is interested in give like is their primary goal to give you control over your own health care so that you can be healthier and happier or is their primary goal to make money and i don't mean that in a malicious way it's a company there it's a business it's it's a business their goal is not to make you healthy their goal is to make money are there any of the are there any tests like this that you would say like well yeah sure go ahead and Get, get that done, you know, there, if, you, if you're curious. There has been some research on home uh, sexually transmitted infection testing. Uh, there there have, I read some, when I was reading about all these different studies, I read some studies that indicated that, uh, you know, even though once you get those results, you still have to, I mean, go get treatment. You mm-hmm. know, you still have to access somebody who's going to be able to prescribe you treatment if you do have a positive result. That because there is still so much stigma attached to STI, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. testing itself uh, out, outside of whether or not you actually get a positive result, um, that the idea that somebody could do it at home, there are there are certain segments of the population that wouldn't get tested who will get tested if they can do it at home. And it might prevent them from spreading it. I mean, so, if they, you know, if they're acting under the assumption that they have it. Now this right now, there's nobody who's saying this is preferable. Sure, right. But the idea that there would be a way to employ this, that this could be a, a good adjunct to the way we typically check for sexually transmitted infections, I think there's some there's some evidence there. So I think that might be an avenue that in hands I would trust, which I mean, I and this applies to medicine broadly. How why do you trust big business to run your healthcare ever? Oh. I mean, you know, I mean whether you're talking about a company that does at-home labs or, you know, an insurance company or a hospital or an HMO or whatever. Like, why do you trust any of them? But uh, I think that there is a, there might be a role for that. And um, they've done, I will say, they do link to a study where they showed that people collecting cervical samples at home 
we're actually pretty decent at getting a good sample of cervical cells, um, which surprised me because it seems like a tricky thing to do on your own. But actually, with some instruction, uh, that is something people could do. Again, I don't think it's a replacement. I don't think that we should advocate everybody collect their own. I mean, we'd be talking about people essentially trying to do pap smears on themselves at home. I don't think that that's better than. Sure. But I but is there a role for that in addition? Perhaps. Perhaps. So I think those are the only two things that I saw anything compelling. And it's early. (laughs) Right. And I'm not saying it's a replacement, but I do think there might be a role for that. Can I tell people about my test that I that I got? Yes. I want to hear all about your test. But first. Ah. The billing department. Let's go. The medicines, the medicines that escalate macabre for the mouth. Sydney, you know how you're always saying that you'd like to build a Justin McRoy fan site full of all your favorite quotes, clips, videos, and hunky pictures of beloved podcaster Justin McRoy? I don't remember. Well, there's that- no need to wait any longer, Sydney, because Squarespace is going to make it easier then you could possibly believe to make a website uh, all about your favorite hunky podcasting superstar. I don't think I was going to. Squarespace, what is it? It's a tool. Think of it as the palette, the palette of a web design artist. But you don't have to be a web design artist. You could just take stuff off the palette that is created by real people that know what they're really doing and put it from the palette onto the Easel. The metaphor is broken down. Basically, you're going to be able to create great looking websites that have fantastic customer support and help you unlock your creativity and do whatever you want to with your small business or podcaster obsession. You can sell products. You can uh, post your videos. You can share your stories about how Justin has shaped your life and is also a fantastic father. Folks, you got to stop waiting to make your Justin McElroy fan site. Go to squarespace.com slash sawbones for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch your Justin McElroy fan site, use offer code sawbones to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. We have just started rehearsing for the summer theater. That's right. Summer starts in March around these parts. And that means we don't have much time at all in the evenings to make dinner. But we will not be just consuming Wendy's, uh, although there will be some Wendy's consumed. But we are going to have a little extra help with Factor, which delivers ready-to-eat, delicious meals right to your door. And not like junky stuff you get out of the freezer aisle, whatever. This is real, high-quality, chef-crafted stuff that in two minutes you're ready to eat it. I'm talking about some Southwestern-style turkey and mac. I think this week I'm going to be enjoying a shredded chicken taco bowl is 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 part of my plan. Um, but they got like fancy stuff. Listen to this. Where are you going to get this? Truffle butter filet mignon. I mean, seriously? From 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 a, a box pre-prepared? All I got in two minutes? I'm eating filet mignon? That sounds delicious. Yeah, it sounds delicious. And you can give these a try. And it's not just these meals. We're talking pancakes smoothies they got some great wellness shots that are surprisingly delicious and the meals you just eat and eat there's no prepping cooking or cleanup get as much as you need by choosing your meals every week you're going to get exactly what you want no surprises here uh and the meals i can say are delicious so what do you got to lose head on over to factormeals.com slash sawbones 50 and use code Sawbones50 to get 50% off. That's code Sawbones50 at factormeals.com slash Sawbones50 to get 50% off. Um, Sydney, 
uh, I want to tell you about my uh, my Everly Well results. Yes. Yeah, so do you want to tell everybody about the process? Yes. They sent me a card with, I think, five circles on it. Mm-hmm. And I had a, they had a little poker. Lancet. Thank you. And I lanceted, lanceted mm-hmm. my so it's finger. It's similar to like a, if you have to test your blood glucose level. Yes. Just poke your finger. I poked my finger and I milked the blood out. It was very, it was not pleasant, but I was a very, I think we can all agree, a big boy. You were. You're uh, very, very tough. Very tough. Very, I gave you a Band-Aid afterwards. Very brave. And I milked five drops of blood into this card and I put the card in an envelope and I shipped it back to him. It's all, I will say that that end of it, it's all very un- easy to understand, easy to follow. All, everything you need is right there. They like te- the they, alcohol swab, the Band-Aid. They texted me my results. We were actually having a Halloween party when I got my results back. So that was a thrilling Thrilling way to spend uh, as part of the party was ta- learning about my food sensitivities. Uh, test you for a bunch of different foods, I think, right? A, a 94. Big... Okay. Correct? Yes. 90, or 96. Um, a lot. I mean, un, uh, around 100. Let's say that. Um, and I, uh, I, I had – this is hard for me to admit, Sydney, but I had high reactivity. To two foods. And what were those? <sighs> okay. I had a 135, which I don't need to tell you as a medical professional is high mm-hmm. reactivity to egg whites. Uh-huh. So that's a lot. And then I had, um, let's see, I had high reactivity to egg whites and I had... Uh, Who also had high reactivity. reactivity, even higher, 144, and this one really hurts, cow's milk. Uh, so they tested you for 96 different foods. You got two that you were highly reactive to. Yes. How many that you were moderately? Moderately reactive to almond, mm-hmm. winter squash, which I'm going to miss, and yogurt. Our friends in the UK might know it as yogurt. Mm-hmm. Uh, so not that, a problem for you. Not it would be a big you. bummer for me. Yeah, but. not a big yogurt person. And then, you know, just the regular mild reactivity to 29 different foods. And that's of the, there were 96 total. And uh, so Justin is, is, what they're telling him is that he is sensitive to these foods. Yes. And then what kind of recommendations do they give you based on those results? So I can decide what's next. Um, I can temporarily cut the foods I'm reactive from, from my diet, usually for a month. Okay. So I would mm-hmm. not eat any of those, I guess. It, it it gives you options. You can either go like full bore and eliminate all mild, moderate, and high sensitivity foods. So for you, it'd be like 34 foods. Yes. You can eliminate them all for a month. And then you slowly reintroduce them like one day at a time and then see if you have reaction to it. And if you don't, you can eat that. And if you do, then, you know, you've found the culprit or there might be culprits. So you have to do it with all of them. Or you can do like a phase thing where you only eliminate the high reactivity ones first. Yes. And then see, or it has like another option where you just like eliminate one food at a time, basically. Yeah. That is it all as a non-science person. That all seems wild. I mean, it just seems wild to me. It's, I mean, here's the thing. If you were truly having a problem with a food, right? eliminating it from your diet would make you feel better, Correct. right? So like it's the, the concept of a, an elimination diet is recommended at times. I mean, by dietitians and medical professionals. 
the idea, though, that this testing is a reliable basis for doing it is fundamentally flawed. I mean, folks, if I wanted to remove my my if I wanted to get the mild reactivity foods in addition to the 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 hot the meat, the, the other ones are already wild because I've had I mean, I, if I could just say um, I have. OK, so when I'm. I, I do this slow carb thing sometimes, which is a lot of eggs, eggs every single mm-hmm. morning, right? Yes, you eat a lot of eggs. And if I'm not on the slow carb, I am having cereal every single evening. Uh, so I am always eating one of these every single day of my entire life. Has this been my problem? My entire life is my is my reaction to egg whites and cow's milk. I eat a lot of both of those. Well, it's it, the problem is that the, the symptoms can be vague enough that most of us would endorse them at some time or another. So like what they would tell you is, do you ever feel tired? Uh, yes, that I do. do. I have you, two children. Do you ever, do you ever feel gassy or bloated? Yes. I eat a Fizzoli's. Do you ever have diarrhea? Again, Fizzoli's. Maybe it's the food. Maybe it's Fizzoli's. Do, the do you have trouble, do you have trouble with your weight? Just... Cause they'll say that they'll say, do you have trouble gaining or losing weight? It could be food. Here's the thing. If I wanted to re- reduce my mild reactivity foods, I'm only going to do this once, but here's what I would need to cut to just check this out, okay? For a month, I'm going to not only have I cut out, I've already cut out my beloved yogurt and winter squash and almond and cow's milk and egg whites. So I'm also going to cut out for my mild reactivity barley grain, beef, blueberry bran, cashew nut, cottage cheese, chi- uh, mozzarella, chicken cinnamon, eggplant, egg yolk, garlic, ginger, gluten, kale, Lamb, iceberg lettuce, white mushroom, mustard seed, oats, green pea, bell pepper, rye, soybean, sunflower seed, tuna, black walnut, wheat, and brewer's yeast. What am I eating? Like, it's wild. Summer squash. Summer squash, (laughs) apparently. That's what I'm eating. And it's like, so I'm going to do that for a month, and then I'm going to reintroduce these foods, but like, what? I mean, it's so fraught with like obvious, just like... Logically, I could have a bad, like I could be sick the day that I reintroduced him. I could not have gotten enough sleep, well, not enough water. I could be depressed because I have depression. You know, I could be anxious because I have anxiety. Like, I mean, any anything could mess up these up. Not to mention the fact that like, so I'm going to reintroduce like black walnut. I'll, okay, I guess for the first time in my life, I'll just see <laughs> if black walnut was the problem. I'll reintroduce that so I can keep track of it. So the let me get to the real the, the part of the problem with this, because what you're thinking is like, well, whether or not it's hard to do, if these results were valid, it would be worth it. If you were truly having serious problems with one of these foods, it would be worth all the hassle of this diet. The problem is the test itself. So just because they find, you know, a lab test says you're sensitive to something, the lab has to, the test has to be looking for the right thing. What these tests are looking for is an antibody called IgG. And it's there is an IgG for each of those 96 foods they test for. So your egg white IgG was high is what they found. That's how they told you that that you were sensitive to it. And what they're saying is that you are generating these antibodies to egg whites and they are an indicator that your body has a problem with egg whites. Now, the problem is that these that sounds sort of right. But these are not, they're different IGs. IGGs just mean you've had egg whites before. That's all it really means. Mm -hmm. There has never been any test that shows a correlation between having a food sensitivity or intolerance or certainly allergy 
and your level of IgGs to the food. So the test is flawed and built on evidence that just doesn't exist. IgGs are not a reliable way of telling you how you would react to a food, good, bad, or indifferent. IgEs, which are a different kind of antibody, are generated when you have an allergy to a food. So there are real tests that allergists and doctors and dietitians and people can do to tell you if you are allergic to a food. And it looks for an IgE. So you're and saying this, that if I was if I was like lactose intolerant, is that an allergy? That's an allergy. No, right? it's an intolerance. Okay. Let's say I was allergic to. Let's say I had celiac, right? And I was allergic yes, to gluten. Yes, a true a true problem with gluten. Yes. Uh, that this test would not tell me that. No, they're not looking for the right thing for that. Okay. No, there are tests for celiac. Real tests. This is not it. Hmm. This is a totally different thing. This testing that the, that they're doing, IgG testing, the American Academy of Allergy, Asthma, and Immunology, and the similar bodies in Europe and Canada have all rejected food-specific IgGs as a way of predicting food intolerances or sensitivities or allergies or anything else. There is no, like medical organizations have come together and said, do not do these tests, doctors. They will not give you accurate results. They do not mean anything. And you're going to advise your patients to eliminate things that they probably don't need to. It's worth noting the Everly Well ads that were surfaced to me after I bought this on Facebook. It was a like confessional from just some unnamed person talking into the screen said like, uh, you know, the, the doctor said that I was completely clear on food allergies. And then Everly, you know, I learned from my Everly well test, I'm actually allergic to these things. And now that I've cut them out, I feel so much better. And it's like, well, I mean, <laughs> okay, but that has no, well, those first off you're a paid sp- spokesperson yeah. and you probably, you may not have even actually had this done, but also like, you're not, what have you learned? I mean, what, what? Testimonials have been the mainstay for uh, snake oil salespeople and fake treatments and diagnostic tests forever because anybody can say anything. And there's, you know, there's something to be said for a lot of the times if we think we're having problems with food, maybe we're not eating a very healthy diet. We're not getting a wide variety of fruits and vegetables and fibers or enough of any of the things we need. Maybe we're eating too many, like, I don't know. For me, if I eat a lot of like greasy fried food, I don't feel very good. And so I try not to eat a lot of that, but I'm not sensitive to the foods. I just, I should eat better. I should eat more salads. And when you start doing these elimination diets, a lot of the time they necessitate that you pay a lot more attention to the food you eat, that you cook more, that you, I mean, I think that they do a lot of things that are probably going to make you feel better mm-hmm. without without it really being anything to do with the testing. Um, but just to, to really understand this, it's not, I'm not just pulling this out of, I'm not just saying like, don't trust them because they're trying to make money. This IgG testing does not mean anything. Uh, it, there are doctors out there who order it and they're wrong. I mean, they're wrong too. They're just as wrong as Everly Well is. Um, if I, to make this really clear, Let's say, let's take a food that I love, okay? okay. Soup? Well, I was going to use Neckos. Okay. I love Neckos. I eat Neckos a lot. Necco wafers. Necco wafers. If you- It's, folks, it's wild. I love no Necco wafers. No one likes these things. And if I ate Necco wafers for breakfast, and then you checked my blood later, you would find a lot of Necco-specific IgGs in my blood, okay? Because I ate them. I was exposed to them. So you find them. 
It's the same as whatever, like an, like an illness you would be exposed to and then you would find antibodies to it. You would find NECO antibodies. There aren't really NECO antibodies, but you get the idea. Um, this is not a problem that you found them. It doesn't mean anything. You could say, aha, you ate some NECOs. And I would say, you saw me. I ordered <laughs> I ordered many bags of them. <laughs> anyway. You're so afraid of the company because they, they got shut down. <laughs> you're afraid of shortages. So she stockpiles them in her home. I do. If you found a NECO-specific IgE in my blood, that would be very sad for me because that could mean it would mean I'm allergic to NECOs. And when I eat them, I'll get like a rash or an anaphylactic response and stop breathing. But I probably would have known that already because of the not breathing when I eat the (laughs) NECOs. So the thing that they're testing for, it seems very similar, but it's not the same. And there is no accredited medical body that says you should use this kind of testing for food sensitivity. So the problem is people get these tests done. They try to follow the results. Most of them tell people that you're either allergic to dairy or gluten. Those are the big results that they usually are not allergic, insensitive or you're uh, sensitive. They usually try to tell people that. And so people will go on very restrictive diets, try to eliminate all this stuff. They might feel better. They might not. They get frustrated. Eventually, they go to doctors and dietitians and they start asking for advice. And then you have someone telling you, actually, that testing meant nothing. You wasted your money and you've been miserable all this time for no reason like trying to do these diets because they're they, they're based on nothing and nobody wants to believe they've been ripped off. So now you you don't know if you can trust Everly really well. You don't know if you can trust doctors. You don't know who to trust and you might still feel bad and you're out. What what I think these tests are like one hundred and fifty nine dollars oh, or one hundred sixty nine dollars. No, I don't know. They're, they're expensive. Um, and, and that's the problem is that this is a it's this is not health care. It is a health business. And so while it's interesting, if you read into how they do this, there is a doctor who ordered your tests. Oh, yeah. Everly Well has a doctor in each state or maybe multiple. I don't know who who are responsible for ordering the tests. Here's and what the, they say the is thing, West Virginia. It's Sydney. Like, no, isn't that wild? I, I don't know who it is. I don't know who it is in our state. It's definitely not me. But like when you request the test, they say that they make the doctor makes sure it's appropriate and orders it for you. The results get interpreted through the doctor. And they say that you you may be able to access the doctor for treatment if it's something like a sexually transmitted infection or like they may offer you treatment. I don't know. It's worded in a way that is not. Yeah. That there's there's wiggle room. Um, but I and, and I think that they will call you like they'll reach out to you directly if they get some sort of what they consider like a critical result in something. Um I don't know what they would do other than tell you to go to the hospital or the doctor, depending on what the critical result was. There is a doctor somewhere in this process, but I don't know who it is or what they're doing. I'm sure or, they're paying very close attention. Right. It's it's these. a very weird, it's very weird. And I think, Justin, what you said is right. The system in our country is broken. It's It's broken. I agree. And the idea that you need to take it into your own hands, I can see why people feel that way. I can see why I would think like, forget this, forget the insurance companies, forget the hospitals, forget the doctors, forget the big pharma, forget them all. I'm just going to take it in my own hands. I'm going to get my own lab results. And I'm, I don't, you're still going to have to get a prescription for stuff, but, but I, I can see people wanting to do that. But I, that is not the answer. I can see that reaction, but the answer is we have to fix the system. You still need people just like, There are a number of things in my life that I am not an expert on 
And when they go wrong, when they break, when they when when something is, you know, I, I go and seek help from an expert who's been trained and taught and educated in that area, in that field. And I get them to come help me because I don't know. And I I. I would never be so bold as to say, well, I can Google it and figure it out on my own. Um, I'm going to go to a, an expert. Healthcare should be that same way, but you have to be able to trust the doctor and trust the system and trust it. And nobody trusts it right now. Yeah. And and the that's what we have to fix. This is not the fix. This is just another way to capitalize off of people who are scared and sick. Sid, I'm starting to worry maybe capitalism isn't the answer. And which is hard for you and me, huge fans of the system of capitalism. I think at the end of the day, I mean, it. it I read a lot of articles about this comparing it to Theranos, which oh, we did. Yeah. And I, I have no evidence that, I mean, I think these people are using like, they use like 11,000 different labs throughout the country. So they're not using the like fake technology that Theranos claimed they were using that really didn't really exist um so they're they're doing actual labs for the most part uh, as far as i can tell i mean mm -hmm. it's so hard to tease this stuff out yeah. but i do think that like this idea that this is this is the answer i mean similar to theranos saying this is the answer to healthcare. this is not the answer to healthcare either this is going to take you down a false path uh, folks, thank you so much for, for listening to our program. We, we hope you got something out of it and, you know, share, share with a friend, you know, this, as many, uh, if you've ever seen ads for any products like this on Facebook, maybe you should put this on your Facebook or respond to people and say, Hey, check this out. Listen to this. You might want to listen to this before you, uh, start spending a lot of money on food sensitivity testing or any at home testing, I guess. Uh, no, I would, if you are really concerned because there are people with food sensitivities and of course food allergies, you should go see, you know, talk to a dietitian, talk to a doctor, a primary care doctor can help you out. Can maybe you need an allergist. There are lots of people who are trained in these areas who can help you, you know, gastroenterologists who can help you get the testing you need so that you can actually feel better at the end of it and not pay a bunch of money for something that may not help you at all. Um, if you want to, uh, that's a great way to share the show. Put it on Facebook. If you want to uh, uh, rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts, which is what it's called now, or anywhere podcasts are distributed, that would be great. Uh, we have a book. It's called The Sawbones Book. It was written by us and illustrated by Sydney's sister, Taylor Smurl. And you can find it wherever books are sold. I want to say thank you to the taxpayers for the use of their song Medicines as the intro and outro of our program. And thank you to you for listening. We very much appreciate you. Uh, that is going to do it for us uh, for this week. So until next time, my name is Justin McElroy. I'm Sydney McElroy. And as always, don't drill a hole in your head. Fun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported. Hi, I'm the JV Club podcast, Janet Varney, and I used to suffer from indecision. I couldn't choose between Star Wars and Star Trek, whether to call or text, or the best way to cook my eggs. But now, thanks to my weekly dose of We Got This on Maximum Fun, my decisions are made for me. Thanks, Mark and Hal. Warning, we got this may cause shouting, phone throwing, the illusion that the hosts can hear you, laughter on public transit, and death. We got this with Mark and Hal. We know what's best. <laughs>